From the King, invisible, almighty, eternal, immortal, grace and peace to you. Today we focus on the Word of God in Revelation chapter 1, the second part of verse 4, and going on through verse 8. There it is written, Grace and peace to you from him who, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. How many present-day kings can you think of and can you name? Now, some of you, I'm, I'm seeing there's some recollection here, and you're thinking of some people, but with some of you, it's kind of that blank look, and if you were going to verbalize what you're thinking, it would be a, ah. Uh, and that would have been my response about a week ago before I started working on the sermon. Couldn't think of any kings, even though I know there's some out there. For example, you go to Belgium, there's King Felipe. You go to Norway, there's King Harold. You go to Sweden, there's King Gustav. You go to Jordan, there's King Abdullah II. And if you go to Wikipedia and various other websites where you can get listings of present-day kings, you find that there's all kinds of other kings. But in, but in our life in the United States of America and in our media, these are not headliners. Uh, we hear more about, uh, you know, our president and uh, members of Congress and governors and, and people like that, but we really don't hear much about these kings except when maybe once in a while they come and they visit and they make an official uh, appearance here in the United States. But as we, we focused on in the children's devotion, there is a king that rules over us and rules over everything, and that's Jesus. And we're going to focus on this, on this Christ the King weekend, the last weekend of the church year. And based on these verses of Revelation that I just shared with you, we are going to look at Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, because he's a very special king and because he's a very loving king. Now, the book of Revelation is really a series of visions that the Lord gives to the Apostle John through an angel. And they're visions of the New Testament times, going from the days of Jesus all the way till the end of time when Jesus comes again and on into glory. And the angel of the Lord gives these visions to John when he is an old man on the island of Patmos where he is in exile. And you notice how the, 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 the greeting includes those words grace and peace, very characteristic of many of the epistles of the New Testament. The grace, of course, is the undeserved love of God, which moved God the Father to look upon us in our sinfulness and our lostness and say, 
ain't going to happen. And so in his love, he sends his eternal son to take on human nature and to be our substitute and savior and, and live the law for us and then die and suffer our condemnation for us to bring us the peace of God that the world cannot give that is in the forgiveness of sins and the promise of life everlasting. And it's very important that, that there is this message of grace and peace, even though the, the book of Revelation is a, is a book of victory. It's to just impress upon us that God in the end is victorious and that he is in control. But, but even though that's the case, God shows us all kinds of horrible things that are going to happen in these last days. And he wants us to remember that we, his people, enjoy his grace and his peace in Jesus. And not to, not to, to, to cash it in and hang it up when it comes to our faith, but to hang in there. Because we enjoy God's grace and his peace, and, and we enjoy victory with him, which we are going to enjoy to the fullest in, in eternal glory. And it's with that in mind, then, that John goes on. And he, in a sense, gives us reasons why Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And, and the book of Revelation is full of them, just as all of Scripture is full of them. But the first thing that, that we see as John is writing these things is that Jesus Christ is part of the triune God, the one true God. John talks about him who is and who was and who is to come. And really what he's talking about is God the Father, the eternal Father, a person of the true Godhead. Then he goes on and he talks about the seven spirits before his throne. And that's kind of a puzzling thing. But it, it's a throwback, it seems, to something that is written in Isaiah chapter 11 where there the Holy Spirit moves the writer to talk about the Messiah. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. Number one up there, notice the Spirit of the Lord. He's also referred to as the Spirit of Wisdom and number three of Understanding. Number four, the Spirit of Counsel and number five of Power. Number six, the Spirit of Knowledge and number seven, the Fear of the Lord. And, and the Holy Spirit is moving uh, John, the writer, to refer to these, these phrases that either describe the characteristics or roles of the Holy Spirit. And it's not a matter of where there are seven spirits, but there is one Holy Spirit who really has these seven characteristics or roles. So you have another person of the Trinity. But then it's tucked right in with this setting of the triune God that there is the reference and from Jesus Christ. Now normally we would say, well, this should come in the, the second place, the second person, but the, the, the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants when it comes to inspiring scripture. And so this is a reference then to the second person of the Godhead who took on nature, human nature, in, in the person of Jesus to serve as our savior. And that's what that, that name Jesus really refers to. And he's referred to as the Christ, the one who is anointed to be the savior of the world. And so this is a reference to God the Son. And so when we think about Jesus being the king of kings, he's the king of kings because he is true God with the Holy Spirit and with God the Father. But then John goes on and he uses three more phrases or statements to describe Jesus. The first is that he is the faithful witness. Pastor Sharp in the gospel reading 
uh, quoted Jesus as telling Pilate, Pontius Pilate, when he's before Pilate uh, on Good Friday, that he came to, to witness and to testify to the truth. He's the fulfillment of the, the prophecy in Deuteronomy 18 about the great prophet who is to come. Think of how Jesus, when he's giving his farewell address to his disciples, saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. In, in, in John chapter 1, it talks about how no one has ever seen the Father, but Jesus Christ, his Son, has made him known. He is that faithful witness who... Who, who reveals to us the truths about God and about us. If you want absolute truth, you look to Jesus about where things came from, why things are, why we are, how we are, why we need him, why we're here in this world, and what our destiny is. He is the faithful witness. He is the way, the truth, the life. He's also referred to as the firstborn from the dead. Now, you're probably aware of the fact that in the Old Testament, the, the firstborn son was the son who, when the father died, would take over the family or the clan and would be the prominent one, would receive more in terms of inheritance. Focus on that word prominent, though. Jesus is not the first person to ever rise from the dead, if you go back in the pages of Scripture. But he's the most prominent one in that his death and his resurrection from the dead means so much to us. It proves that he is who he said he is. It proves that he has paid for sin in full. It proves that there is life after death, and there is even the resurrection of the body. And so when it comes to prominence, when it comes to impact with his resurrection, he's got it all, and he gives to us his all as a result of it. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's also the ruler of the kings of the earth. Forty days after he rose from the dead, Jesus ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of his heavenly Father in eternal glory, but invisibly being with all of us here as well as with all of his people throughout the world. And as Paul wrote in Ephesians 1, he rules over everything for the church, the universe, the world in which we live, the stars, the darkness, the vastness of the universe. He rules over everything for us, his people. And even though there are all kinds of people who do not want to acknowledge that he is the king of kings, as we're going to see, on the last day before him, every knee is going to have to bow and acknowledge that he is the Lord. He is the governor of all, the king of the kings of the earth. And no king can rule on this earth without the Lord allowing him or her, and be queens too, to do so. And so Jesus Christ is the king of kings because he's a special king. Now, you know, it's important for us to remember these things, that he's special because he's part of the Trinity and that, that, that he, he just does special things, especially as we live in a day and age where we hear these messages that all roads of religion lead to the same place. It doesn't matter whether you're a Hindu or a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Spiritist or you're of the Jewish faith or, you know, you're one of the other world religions. Time and time again, we'll hear the statement, we all worship the same God. I just heard it a few weeks ago. And we're all going to end up in the same place. And that's just not true. God tells us there is no God but one. And he lays out before us that this God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as Jesus, you know, emphasized in the Great Commission, and 
Paul emphasized in the apostolic blessing, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. And God tells us in the first commandment, you shall have no other gods. And so as we, we encounter those, those statements, while we don't want to pick fights with people and, and, and create all on, you know, uproar and turmoil and so on, when we hear those statements, we need to tell the truth. You know, God tells us in his word there is only one God, and that is the God who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whether people want to accept that or not, we want to testify to the truth. Another thing is as we enter into this, this holiday season, I'm willing to wager that somewhere along the line, the media is going to come out with some of the, the, the various documentaries on Jesus. Who is Jesus? It always happens around Christmas time and around Easter time. And there's all this speculation and, and there's, uh, there's all kinds of things that people surmise and so on. And so often what they miss is the point that Jesus is true God from all eternity. He is the Savior of the world and there is no other way for one to be saved. He is the source of absolute truth. You know, Jesus said, whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And as he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so we also want to give testimony to the fact that, that, that Jesus Christ is not just a, a great teacher, a great leader, a good example, which he's all of those, but he is the very Son of God, and he is the Savior of the world, your Savior and mine. He's the King of Kings because he's a special king, but he's the King of Kings because he's a loving king. Let me ask you, in your lifetime, I don't know how many presidents that uh, you've, you've lived under as citizens of the United States. I figured it out. It's been 14 for me now. Have you ever felt like the president who's ruling at the present time has taken a very special personal interest in you that the president personally knows you and loves you sends you birthday cards for example gives you a phone call and says hi how you doing today I, I heard about this I'm sorry that it happened in your life and so on how many of you have had that happen Okay? It hasn't happened to any of us, has it? And I understand that when you're the president of a nation where there are 300 million or more, it's pretty hard to be personally attached to every person in your country. I've only seen one president. That was President Carter back in 1978 when I was visiting my sister and her husband, and he was on presidential security at Andrews Air Force Base. And one Sunday afternoon, he said, uh, hey, President Carter is flying in. Would you like to go and see him? And I'd never seen a president before, so I thought, uh, let's, let's do it. So he went there, and uh, I was standing at a fence here, and there's all these security people, and there are people up, you know, in the heights with rifles and so on. And there came President Carter down from the plane, and he was whisked over to the limousine where he got in. And I asked my brother-in-law, now, if I jumped the fence and I ran over and I tried to shake President Carter's hand, what would have happened? He said, you would have been shot on the spot before you ever got over the fence. But that's not King Jesus. He's with us personally. 
he knows who you are he knows what you need he knows that you need him as your loving king your loving savior because of the sin with which you're born you know when we we read Psalm 51 we're reminded by King David that already from our conception we we come into this world with sin that should separate us from God and then that sin creates all kinds of havoc in terms of our thoughts and our words and our deeds so that everything we think and say and do is always falling short uh, of that standard that God has for us to achieve his glory on our own. And that's why Paul wrote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages that we deserve are death, physical, uh, eternal death, being separated from God, not knowing his love even in the here and now and enjoying his peace and his presence. And those are the things we deserve. So we need a king who loves us and who saves us. And that is the kind of king that we have, Jesus Christ, the king of kings, a loving king. Think of the words of our text, to him who loves us. Notice this is present tense, it's not past tense. Every day, every moment, every hour, every week, every month, every year, Jesus loves you. When you sin, he does not love what you do, but he still loves you. When, when you're sick, it's not a matter of where Jesus' love for you has gotten sick. When you're troubled or when you're in trouble, it's not a matter of where Jesus has trouble with his love for you. He loves you with an everlasting, unfailing love. In good times, in bad, in good times, in sad, he loves you. And it's as a result of this love that he came and he took your place God and man, and has freed us from our sins by his blood. He, he, he did everything for us that we need to do for God. Every commandment he fulfilled completely for you and for me. And the condemnation, the hell that we deserve, the punishment that's ours, he took upon himself when he was on Calvary's cross. And as a result of the shedding of his blood, which really represents the giving of his life and all the suffering that was part of it, he has removed our condemnation. He has freed us from that curse of sin. He has freed us to be daughters and sons of God. He has freed us to be able to, to know him, to love him, to live for him. I, I don't know if we, we totally grasp the freedom that we enjoy, having that, that love of God in our hearts that moves us to want to, to worship him, to confess him as our Lord. To, to look to him as our savior. He has freed us from unbelief and he has freed us from the dominion of sin, even though, even though we all struggle with sin. By the power of God's love that flows from Jesus, we do have the power to say no to sin, as imperfect as we may be. And it's not that we do it all the time, and that's why we always need a savior. We need a savior who loves us all the time but he has freed us from our sin by his blood and now we are free to look forward to eternal glory with him and he has he has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father you know in these days when we're hearing so much about immigration doesn't it drive home to you what a blessing it is to just be you know a, a citizen of the United States of America when you think you were 
Probably most of us were born into it. Some of us uh, were naturalized citizens, but we are so privileged to be part of this country as imperfect as it is. But even more of a blessing is to be part of the kingdom of God and to experience the love of God and to be his, his sons and his daughters and to have purpose in life. That is to serve him as his priests. As, as the Lord rules in our hearts, he, he moves us to want to, to live for him uh, as living sacrifices, every day giving ourselves for him, whether it's in the factory or the store or the school or out in the, the farm fields or wherever it is, to do everything to the glory of God. And we can serve as priests because the great high priest has freed us from our sins and has given us the privilege of approaching our Heavenly Father in prayer directly and, and praying our Father who art in heaven and know that he hears us and he listens to us and that every day we can give our service to the Lord and he gives us reason and purpose for being in this world. So to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. But then we're reminded that our King of Kings, who is a loving king, is not going to leave us here forever, but is going to take us into eternal glory. And we're reminded of this with the fact that he is going to come again. Look, he's coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. There is that time when Jesus is going to come and we're going to hear the shout of the archangel and hear the trumpet call of God and we're going to see Jesus coming with the angels and the clouds of the sky and even if it's nighttime, we're going to see his glory and it's going to be bright and brilliant. And you and I don't need to mourn because being in Jesus through faith in him, we are clothed in his holiness and we are acceptable in his sight and we know what his coming is all about. He's coming to take us to be with him in glory. And if we've already died, he's going to raise our bodies in glory and reunite them with the soul so we don't have to mourn. We can look forward to this time. But if a person is among those who have opposed Jesus or we have the example who killed Jesus and never repented, if we're among the people of the earth who mock and ridicule Christ and Christianity and reject him, we have every reason to mourn then because they're going to realize they were wrong or it's too late because now they are lost. And so um, you and I can look forward to that time, though, when he comes again as the king of kings who is our loving king to take us into glory. And then we have the little summary here where this is really Jesus speaking. And, and, you, and you see this because there's two other times in the book of Revelation where Jesus uses these words, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. The Omega is the last. And it just brings home to us the fact that that Jesus is eternal. He will always be. He will never fail. He will never fall. I was talking to somebody recently who lamented the fact that Herberger's is closed. Retzloff's hardware store, except for the service department, is closed. And, and then uh, they said, well, I, I saw that Kemsky's was closed. I said, wait a minute. No, they're just combined with Riverbend. But then the person who's been around here for quite a while 
went back to reminiscing all kinds of places that once were, but are not anymore. And we think about that. That's how life is, isn't it? But that's not how Jesus Christ is, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He, he will never stop being king. He will never stop ruling. He will never stop loving you. He'll never stop being with you. He'll never stop protecting you and providing for you. He never will fail you when it comes to that last breath of life or that last moment of time. He will be there for you because he is the king of kings, a loving king. Therefore, therefore love him, live for him, worship him, serve him. He's done it all for you. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting.